0: There's big Azure updates for retail and for gaming. Today's podcast is sponsored by Security Unlocked, a new podcast from Microsoft focusing on artificial intelligence and machine learning in security. Check out the links in the description below. And it is uh, it's Friday, friends. It is Friday, and Fridays are... Typically good days, typically good days. And so it has been like a really busy week. There's just a lot going on um, in the industry. And there's a lot to talk about here on this podcast channel. A couple things too. I've been um, self-teaching myself animation. I I just kind of got the bug and I was like, I need to learn something new. So I put that effort into animation. So during this podcast, and actually if you started watching videos from um, yesterday, you'll see like little animations pop up. I call them like, did you know, Uh, popping up somewhere down there um right there yep right there um You'll see them popping up. I'm curious if you guys like them, if you don't like them for their distractions or whatever. Anyways, I was trying to teach myself animation. I was like, what better purpose? And here we go. Now that's gonna be in production and I'm gonna start playing around with that kind of stuff. So uh, there you go. Let's just dive into the news of the week. Um, Some interesting news on the Microsoft 365 side. They are increasing the file size transfer from 100 gigabytes to 250 gigabytes. Now you might be thinking, Brad, that's not that big of a deal, but it kind of is because this includes file transfers for SharePoint, OneDrive, and Teams. Realistically, it means you can upload bigger chunks of data at a single time into these platforms, and for most people, this should be, like I would imagine for most people, this is gonna cover a large chunk of data transfers within these products. Now, I know there's absolutely people who are outliers like 3D modeling, um, some really large ProRes video files and the like that are still gonna be, have to be broken up into chunks or other alternative routes for for uploading, Um, but this is kind of a big deal, and even though you're thinking like, Brad, it's only like 150 gigs, what's the deal? Well, you think about that, there's hundreds of millions of people using these products and... Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. So just be on the lookout for that. Uh, also announced this week, Microsoft announced the Surface Pro 7 Plus for business friends only. It's not coming to the consumer channel. The biggest takeaways here, if you haven't looked it up already, is that it's coming with an 11th gen uh, CPU. The removable SSD from the Surface Pro X is now coming over to the Surface Pro 7 Plus, which has been a massive business uh, request. LTE Advanced is also launching at the same time, and that same time meaning now. So you can go out and, I believe, start ordering these things through your business channel and that's, the, that's that's that. If you're on the consumer side and you want a 7 Plus, well, you got to go find a business channel to buy one from, um, but realistically, I think you might want to just hold off uh, for a little bit, because if you're wanting a new design, um, I, think, I think that's still coming down the pipe, but this is very clearly a business-focused product, so just keep that in mind. Um, Teams is going to soon organize things just a little bit easier, so we all know that Microsoft has invested a lot into automated uh, transcripts and a bunch of other features to make meetings not just more inclusive, but also have more content that comes out of it so that it's easier to index or search after the event well now they're going to aggregate or, or put all that stuff together into the details tab of a meeting so how this shakes out or, or why this is important you missed a meeting and I know everybody's so sad when they miss meetings but you need to go back and look at the information and you want to know like where it is well now in the details tab when all this when this feature rolls out to every tenant everything from that meeting including file shares transcripts audio recordings are all going to be there it's just going to make things a little bit easier for just Discoverability when you're trying to catch up on a meeting that you so just tragically missed. Um, also, speaking of the team side, PowerPointer present. PowerPoint Presenter View is starting to roll out. Now, if that doesn't make much sense to you, you may not live and die by the slide deck. But if you do, this is another big deal because Presenter View makes it so much easier to present slides in a meeting, and that viewpoint that is so popular in PowerPoint is now going to be natively available inside of Teams, which is a good thing for those of you like myself who just kind of love PowerPoint. Um, I try to get away for a bit from time to time, but I I always just go crawling back it just i i can't get away from it um speaking of azure by the way so a couple interesting things happening on the azure front today microsoft has officially announced its second cloud if you will and it's the retail cloud now you might be thinking brad what's their first cloud and how do they define this stuff well it is my understanding here that really when they say like these vertically integrated cl- like clouds, if you will, it's a package or a combination of products that is specifically tailored for an industry. So they already have one for healthcare, and now they're starting to roll one out uh, for retail. And so this is going to combine uh, Azure, Microsoft 365, Dynamics 365, uh, the Power Platform, and other specific uh, retail features and functions like Microsoft advertising are all bundled into one offering, and so Microsoft is pretty pretty proud of this. I mean, they've got a, a unique solution uh, combined here targeting a very specific industry much like they have healthcare, and so be on the lookout for that, especially if you're in retail because I can guarantee you, your Azure or Microsoft rat's probably going to start hitting you up for that. Um, on the gaming side, now, where this isn't like typically straight gaming news, but Microsoft also had a pretty big announcement for Azure on the gaming side with PlayFab. Microsoft uh, has building been building out this platform, and you know the high-level pitch here is that they want game developers to use PlayFab to build for their online multiplayer experiences. Now, when it comes to online multiplayer experiences, one of the things that's really key and important are latency and just basically raw performance. So on that front, um, they're adding a bunch of new PlayFab multiplayer uh, servers in Asia and in the U.S. And now their their pitch here is that. Gamers around the globe will have a maximum of a hundred milliseconds latency. Now that that is a bit of time, hundred milliseconds in the gaming world is a bit uh, of a bit of lag, but it's not. It's honestly not bad, um, considering what we used to have when it, growing up. But anyways, but they're saying actually most gamers around the globe will have fifteen to twenty milliseconds of latency lag, uh, or just latency effectively when connecting to PlayFab. So that, that's pretty good. So if you're a game dev and you're looking to build out a game server, Microsoft wants you to build a PlayFab and they're also announcing new AMD virtual machines that include 5 uh, to 40% uh, performance at a lower cost. So you've got new Azure retail coming. Um, you've also got Microsoft rolling out and the PlayFab stuff is available immediately for developers. Um, basically, you've got PlayFab instances all around the globe inside of Azure and so your online multiplayer gaming experiences can just be that much that much snappier. Now, other things happening in the industry this week that you just can't overlook is there's this little trade show called CES, which actually Microsoft had a big part of uh, running some of the back end with Teams, uh, is happening this week. And there were a ton of announcements, and I'm not going to go through all of them um, because some of them are more ridiculous than others. Uh, but some of the key highlights, at least for myself personally, is that AMD announced their 5000 series mobile chips. Now, that is, we kind of, you kind of know this stuff's coming, right? It's a, It's on a clockwork like cadence here. One of the interesting things was, and you'll be able to read between the tea leaves and if you can't i'll just I'll vomit it out uh directly to you here in a second is that panos panay the leader of uh right surface products and a lot of windows initiatives and he's also touching on xbox too in some capacity um was on a quote-unquote on stage virtually right it was it was a phone conversation video conversation whatever you want to call it but the odd thing here if you will is that microsoft doesn't really have a lot of surface products that run uh amd chips they have quite literally just one and it's not even running 4000 series chips it's actually running a 3000 series chip it's pretty old but you can read between the lines here and it's like Panos is on stage talking to the CEO of AMD about their new 5000 series mobile chips you can kind of guess what's going to be coming down the line for the Surface Laptop 4 I'm going to I'm just going to you know put a big bet out there that they're going to be using some new AMD chips for that uh, when they rev that machine here in the near future so just keep keep your mind and look out on the lookout for that stuff I don't know the performance specs yet I, I try to avoid to my best of my ability, uh, marketing specs that they drop, um, we'll need to wait till we get our hands on one uh, to actually tweak You know, kind of understand how much of an improvement these are over previous generation. Also, chips that were announced are from our friends over at Nvidia. Again, no surprise here. The mobile iteration of their 3000 GPU is starting to come online with new laptops. Um, so, just if you're if you're going to be in the market for buying a new gaming mobile gaming laptop. Be on the lookout for these things rolling out. Again, the, my biggest qualm every single year, and not Qualcomm, but biggest qualm, meaning issue, every year with CES is they announce a bu- bunch of stuff, and then there's just this massive amount of latency, uh or lag, if you will, or <laughs> I don't know why I've used latency and lag a lot on this episode, uh, between when those products are announced versus when they are available. So just be, again, on the lookout for that. Samsung announced the S21 yesterday. If, if you're looking for a new phone, it's a looks like another good phone from Samsung. Um, it's kind of just the it's the anti-iPhone iPhone, if you will. Like Samsung has a really good integrated experience. They build good quality stuff. And uh, if that's your jam, you can go out and uh, look for pre-orders on that. Well, the one thing, too, I really want to point out that is worth waiting for, this is definitely worth waiting for, is Wi-Fi 6.0 is now coming online with new routers. This is a big deal. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, I've really told people not to buy routers um, for like the past, I don't know, 12 to 18 months, if you can avoid it. Now, it's not that there's bad, the routers out now are bad, but Wi-Fi 6E unlocks that third spectrum, that six gigahertz bandwidth or, or wavelength, um, which means you now have effectively of 2.4, 5, and 6. This is These are the first routers that are going to make use of that. And if you're going to be buying a router that's going to be in your house for several years, I mean, even longer than that. This is the router you want to invest in because it's got all three bands that you're going to want to be using, and it's going to make your your WIFIs in your house uh, just a little bit better, and that is kind of a big deal. So um, be on the lookout. Don't buy a Wi-Fi 6 router. Buy a Wi-Fi 6E router. You got to get that E. You know, they love those crazy naming conventions. They should have just Waited for Wi-Fi 6 for when the 6 gig But you you guys get the point. So you guys understand. So we're going to pivot here. Over to... Oh, I went the wrong way there. There we go. So... As I mentioned at the top of the show here, uh, my friends over at Microsoft, Nick and Natalia, have a new podcast called Security Unlock, where they take a closer look at the latest innovations in threat intelligence, security research, and data science with a special focus on demystifying artificial intelligence, if I could say that word correctly, and machine learning. Um, One of the recent episodes that I enjoyed listening to was actually unpacking the new ML threat matrix, specifically the focus on the new types of, of emerging threats to AI systems and the challenges associated with protecting them Uh, for those in the security or honestly people who are looking to enter into it this is a great way uh, to learn how industry professionals approach tough problems with unique solutions you can find links down in the description below and so i'm going to pivot here so this is not official advertising verbiage this is brad on brad um so i've I've mentioned nick here and i don't know i haven't known natalia as long but i've known nick for the better part of a decade or not and he's a really smart guy and he's doing some really cool stuff with this podcast and if you paid attention closely. At the beginning of this podcast, I talked about like the animations that I've been tossing down here, the little did you know things like I'm a big fan of you gotta you gotta keep learning, like you gotta keep learning. And so my learning pass actually started when Nick launched his podcast, because it's it's an area that is near and dear to my heart. But it's also like really well done. But In the the same vein of me teaching myself animation, podcasts are a great way to uh, passively, in my case, absorb knowledge. Because I put on podcasts, I listen to them all day day long. So uh, be sure to check these out. They are good, and I very much appreciate them uh, hanging out with us on this podcast. But over. To the gaming news, if you will. Actually, there's not too much gaming news this week. Um, There's a couple things I want to hit on, including my tweet that kind of went crazy. Um, So I've been hearing a lot of conversations, um, you know, behind closed doors about acquisitions in the industry. There's a lot There's a lot of moving things going on right now. And I, it's hard to say who, which companies are going to get snatched up and by what vendors. I know this is typically a Microsoft-focused uh, podcast, but I can tell you that there are some big industry names out there being approached by uh, Microsoft included, but then you also have Amazon, and you also have Google, and you also have Sony's part of the conversation, but it doesn't seem to be as much as Google and Amazon are uh, when Microsoft Microsoft enters the fold, and also EA. I mean, you can look at what happened at, with Codemasters, for example. Like The valuations of these mobile gaming companies are going up. They are going up very fast as the industry is suddenly, I don't want to say condensing, but there's suddenly new players in the industry. And so you have Amazon and Facebook who need genuinely need new IP and you have Microsoft who is building out this gaming solution called Game Pass and there's a lot of companies who are just being snatched up right out uh, under each other and so be on the lookout for some acquisitions I think some of these will get announced here it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint when these things will be get locked down because there's lawyers involved and there's legal and there's compliance and there's all sorts of things but I'm hearing a lot of a lot of uh, things going on, and I know of three specifically acquisition targets for various companies um, going on right now. So uh, other big, like massive announcements is that Bethesda announced that they're building an Indiana Jones game. great. but here's the here's the thing. So, Everyone's thinking, right, Microsoft's buying Bethesda. That's going to close sometime between now and the end, or sometime in June, between now and June, is when it's expected to close. And so Microsoft is like, hey, or Microsoft fans, I should say, like, hey, is this going to be an exclusive for console? Well, this is a really interesting conversation, because let's wind back or reel in the, the expectations here, because how this technically could work is this contract and this game, we're not we're not like brought up in the last three weeks, right? This has been something that has been ongoing negotiations has been a contract that has already been written and signed and in progress. And so technically speaking, Microsoft has no control over what is happening with that contract. So it, it may not be an Xbox exclusive. Uh, the Indiana Jones game, if there's logical reason to assume that would not be the case. And now at the end of the day, is it going to come to Xbox? I would be flabbergasted if it did not come to xbox at this point Um, but it just may not only be coming to xbox at this point there's also a new red xbox controller happening out there you can go and grab that if you've been not buying one uh, because it wasn't red you can now buy one Um, and there's also microsoft store on xbox consoles can now display supported languages uh, for those of you who have been asking for that so here we go. We have got the questions of the week, which is always my favorite part. So we are going to refresh the thread. I always tweet that out to uh, uh, at BDSams on Twitter. And so here, here we go. Uh, Simon says, do you think there'll be a Surface Book with the new AMD 5000 series chips? A Surface Book. The only reason... I, uh, I, I don't know. The only reason I say... I'm a little bit hesitant here is because these Surface Books here, the one I'm using, Surface Book 3, they've all run Intel. And there's some magic sauce going on between the display and the GPU, which is down in the base, which is all designed and built to run Intel and NVIDIA setup. I don't know if Microsoft, I don't know enough about the driver stack that Microsoft built out for this to determine if they could use a different GPU setup from a different vendor or if it's built custom tailored for an Intel NVIDIA solution. And so... I know that we'll see ones with additional Intel chips. I don't honestly know uh, about AMD. Usman says, I played around with the Windows New, the new 10X builds. Uh, why does it feel inconsistent, rough, if this means it to be a near final build? So let's just rewind the clock here or reel it back in if I'm using my same analogy before. Windows 10X, a build of it leaked this week. There's actually a video on this channel. Paul did a write-up. It's all linked in that that stuff. Um, and so here's the, here's the Windows 10X bit. Windows 10X feels very... Chrome OS is probably the the best analogy, but it feels very web-oriented. I don't know if this is the same exact same vision they had when they were thinking about Windows 10 Cloud, uh, but it's very much like one app runs at a time. You might be able to run two side-by-side, but it's definitely like full full apps run full screen experience um you're not running traditional win32 or x86 apps actually try to download chrome.exe and you try to run it and it just does nothing um it definitely does feel a bit inconsistent and rough there's i was able to crash it but again i'm running this in a vm and running things in a vm versus on metal can be a different experience um So yes, it does feel a little bit rough. I don't know about inconsistent. I mean, the UI from it was actually pretty well tailored, uh, right? Meaning like it felt like everything was kind of buttoned up from a UI perspective um, for a first generation. The bigger thing I want to know is what is Microsoft going to brand this? I I really hope they don't brand it Windows 10X. I think that'd be a disservice to what the OS is actually trying to do. Um, We also believe, at least I believe personally, this is going to be very much targeted at lower spec machines, you know, talking like, 8 gig of RAM, like, dual-core type machines, three to $500 laptop scenarios, at least that's what I, I personally think, and from that perspective, I think the OS feels okay for what it's trying to do, they're going to, they have a very big marketing challenge ahead of them um, to try to educate the world, effectively, that this is an OS from Microsoft, but it's not like Windows, and, but it kind of looks like Windows, but it's not Windows, and the reason why I, I kind of struggle here is they've this is the third time they've had to do that, right, they have Windows RT, they didn't do, well, uh, Windows 10S, and they didn't do a good job with that either, so Windows 10X, um, if it is, it's we. He, it's a near final build, but it's not the final, final build. And all they're doing now is bug patching. And so I wouldn't read too much into the build that leaked about stable and, and performance because, again, we could, I, be, I believe... It, well, it is going to launch soon. I don't think it's like a next week sort of thing, at least from getting hardware out to OEMs and that sort of thing. So that was a pretty long-winded answer to not directly address your question, but I feel like I sort of did. Anyways, uh, Matt Thiney says, if you could install Win32 apps, but they had to be package created and in the Microsoft repository, why the need for Win32 containers? Is this version of Windows 1 Core without the APIs of Win32? Is referring to Windows 10X. Um I'm going to punt on this one because I I want to wait and see how Microsoft specifically pitches this particular iteration of Windows 10X. I have some assumptions here about why they are doing Individual things, but I would like to hear from Microsoft about their vision, and then sort of work backwards through that, rather than me just trying to take a blind guess, because I could be wrong in some of the assumptions that I have made so far about how they're going to position and and the underpinnings of 10x. Um, But a lot of things have happened since we first it was first announced, right? Remember, it was initially announced for a dual screen device called the Surface Neo. Surface Neo isn't coming, um, at least not this year, and so it's there's a lot of is it not this year or Windows 10x it got punted. I can't remember when the service knew new was supposed to launch it. Maybe it was supposed to launch in 2020. Well, I digress. Um, I'm gonna wait. I wanna I wanna wait and see. Um so I just wanna wait and see. Uh Lennon Fred, Lino Fred says, is Microsoft still all in with PWAs, I think, so. I guess it depends what you mean by all in. I, they're definitely still going down that path. It is not something that they just abandoned. Um, and I actually think Windows 10X and PWAs are going to play well together. I think that's going to be one of the pitches uh, for the updated OS. Uh, he says, do you think there is an initiative for Android and iOS developers to change from native apps to PWA uh, from Microsoft or any other company? No, um, I don't think there's really much of incentive for uh, iOS and Android developers to do that. Microsoft hasn't given them a compelling reason uh, from a monetary perspective. Yes, they might want to get their users there, but if your bread and butter is iOS and your bread and butter is Android, you're not going to alter or even touch that experience because you want the best optimal performance on those platforms and as a... You got to go native, right? You got to go native if you're going to be building uh, for those for the best possible platform. Uh, three, he says, is Microsoft uh, pushing the initiative. Uh, do you know if Microsoft is promoting Azure? Is the cloud service? I would sell this to developers in this package. If you convert your app to PWA, we will give you a discount with a premium service for if you use Azure. Um, I don't believe they're. Using that particular approach, mostly because PWAs can be a variety of different uh, backends, I believe that may not all be perfectly suited for Azure. Um, I might, I might bite my tongue on what I just said there. That may not be completely accurate, but I don't believe that they're like they're approaching developers and tart and pushing PWAs specifically in that capacity. It says finally, do you know if uh, the lack of developers' response is what triggered Microsoft to try Android apps running on Windows partially? But I also think that the ability to run android apps on windows is an established ecosystem that they hope to be able to bring over to their platform and from that perspective that's just on un- if they can get the the narrative right and the technology right that's unlocking a massive amount of potential that could really help propel windows 10x in my opinion um, to the forefront otherwise they're going to be in this continuous game of catch-up, which as we all know is very very difficult in the app space uh, Rambone says, uh, revi- oh, I remember this question. Revisiting a question from a couple months ago. This is regarding a brand new laptop with a budget of 2 k versus $1K. Based on some of the research, the Asus uh, G14 looks like the best option. Weight and size are important to me, and given what we've seen announced at CES, do you think there are some good options for laptops that are less than four- Ooh, less than four pounds ...that are good to play AA, AAA games. I don't need crazy high specs, though. Games I play are Warzone. I'm a big fan of Warzone. Uh, Flight... Okay. So Flight Sim and Civ 6. It doesn't need to be a gaming laptop per se. Well, th- th- the thing is, like, if you want to be playing Flight Sim on a laptop, you are going to need a high-end GPU, right? That thing... I have a 2070 Super upstairs, and it, it it's on the edge of what I would consider, like, acceptable. Um, I know we can definitely run on, like, some lower-end lower, gray, lower end chip, lower-end GPUs, but um, you're definitely going to need a bulky uh, GPU discrete graphics for sure. Um, I did take a quick look at the Asus G14, and I would say if you're happy with it, then why not run with it? Asus makes uh, pretty good stuff, so... Uh, there we go. Uh, MN Bears guy says, whatever happened to disk the digital program that's, that you said Microsoft was working on a few years ago? Yes, that was called Project Roma. I have a bunch of Xbox One disks discs that I would like to convert into digital copies of the games. It it just got killed by retailers at the end of the day. I don't know if they're going to bring this thing back ever, um, but they had it pretty far down, down the uh, production rabbit hole, if you will. But Project Roma, um, as I know it, is dead Will they bring it back? I haven't heard specifically if that is that is going to be happening. Uh, an old Amiga user says, Revisiting a question from a few weeks ago. Have you seen the Windows... Uh, having seen the Windows 10X leak, are you more or less optimistic about Windows 10X? This is a, an interesting question. Mostly because... I think so much of it's going to gonna pivot around the branding of the OS. If they call it Windows 10X, I think they're really personally going to struggle here because people, again, are going to go in with that assumption of Windows is Windows and why can't I run Chrome? They need a new branding. Now... Is making the assumption that Microsoft comes in with some good, clever marketing, some good branding. They call it uh, Microsoft Cloud OS. We'll just go with Cloud OS, whatever. Cloud OS is what we'll call it for this podcast. And they run with that, and they put some really good product and marketing behind it. I am more optimistic in this capacity um, than I had been with maybe Windows 10 and uh, S mode, for sure. For sure. Because this looks different. It feels feels different even though it's still a mouse and a keyboard and there's still a start button um it genuinely just kind of feels different the one thing that they really need to change still in windows 10 to make it not feel so or, or cloud OS to make it not so feel feel so Windows 10 is honestly like the settings panel because it still looks very classic Windows and so I think they should update that to reflect the design language that they have in other components of the OS Um, but if they can get all that stuff done which I know is a monumental task uh, I'm more optimistic than I think pessimistic uh, for those really really low end uh, type machines so, uh, oh, old friend Lyle's back um, says, what is the best slash worst CES product? So, here's 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 some fun stories. Um, Lyle and I used to work together, and he's probably going to roll his eyes when I tell the story. And we went to CES. Like, we actually shared a hotel room. And so, I'm a bit of a prankster when given the opportunity, within reason. And uh, we shared a hotel room. And I had an early flight, and he was still sleeping. And I covered his stuff in glitter. Um, (laughs) Like I, I literally put it, not like I opened his suitcase and, and, or dumped it all over him while he was sleeping, but like I did it creatively. I did it really creatively. For example, I put it in his shoes so that when he, when he pulled his feet out of his shoes, he'd be twinkle toes. Um, I also put it inside the towel. So like, you know how there's towels uh, (laughs) in the bathroom. So when you go shower, like I put glitter inside of there so that when he pulled it off and there was only one towel left, it would go everywhere. Um, Anyways, Lyles, thanks for bringing up that happy memory of me uh, ruining your morning with glitter. Um, anyway, so he says, Windows 10X use cases, potential future product use. Use cases is absolutely anything that a Chromebook can be used for. Uh, Microsoft can do it better, right? You know that old song. I think that is where they were targeting. I, I do not see this running on high-end desktops. It doesn't make sense. It's not, I don't think, designed. I don't think it makes any we shouldn't see it scale up uh from like a raw performance from a high-end like device perspective shouldn't be running 10x It, it really it'd be a waste of money on so many different fronts considering how it feels more lightweight um will we when will we get to get windows on arm that will be useful enough to be a daily driver see i think i think you have an interesting like crossover point here um because i think windows on arm and Windows 10X or Cloud OS makes a lot of sense together. I think that might be the combination that really makes, you know, quote unquote, Windows on ARM, even though it'll be Cloud OS, this is going to get confusing, um, running Windows on ARM. I think that scenario makes a lot of sense. Reason being is while Qualcomm chips like the 8 are... Okay, they're not—they're not like Apple M1, they're not Core i7 um, type performance. They would, in my opinion, at least from what I understand now, should run Windows 10x pretty well or Cloud OS, uh, if I could keep my own analogy straight. Uh, best and worst product of CES. So that's kind of like, to me, the best products are probably the ones that haven't been announced yet. Um, right? I'm waiting for, like, the mobile GPU 3000s uh, from NVIDIA. I'm also waiting for the, the raw performance and, and capabilities of Ryzen, uh, mobile, the Ryzen the 5000 series chips. I think those are going to be really cool coming down. And for some people, I think the Galaxy S21 is probably up there. But if I had to pick one specific thing that I'm most excited about, it's as boring as it is, it's the 6E routers, the Wi-Fi 6E, because I think that's going to help so many people um, and release some of that uh, constraint that is on Wi-Fi currently in homes. The worst product I've seen um, was an air-conditioned baseball cap, at least from a pitch perspective. Some people, I got like four emails about this and I just want to call them out because I really don't care about your air-conditioned baseball cap. I, I, I don't. Uh, Rob says, uh, what is it? What is your honest opinion on Microsoft adding adaptive triggers to the future version of Xbox controllers. So this is something that the PlayStation 5 has, and there are rumbles in our uh, vibrators, whatever you want to call them, in the triggers. So adaptive triggers, meaning the adjusting the attention so that it feels different when pulling, uh, you know, pulling, back, like pulling a bow back versus, I don't know, shooting an M- M16 or something like that. Uh, my honest opinion is I don't think Microsoft is going to add it. I think it's potentially too late because, like... They could. I'm not saying they won't, but they could, but then they're going to have like that mixed scenario of some controllers on their platforms do support it and some don't, And whereas a PlayStation 5, it's just baked in and it's all across the board. So I don't personally think they would do it. Also, if they do, they're going to get, every headlight's going to be Microsoft copy Sony with adaptive controllers, or adaptive triggers. Um, so I don't personally think that's going to happen. I'm not saying it won't, so... Um, yeah, he said he wouldn't have asked if not for that survey sent around asking users what features they would like to see in an Xbox controller. I was thinking about upgrading from the Elite to the Series 2, Elite Series, Elite 1 to the Series 2, but there's a chance that some version 3 could have adaptive triggers. I might just wait for that. I think if you're going to be, personal opinion, personal objection, um, is... If you want a controller now and you need a controller now, get a controller now. If you're waiting for what's next, you're always going to be waiting for what's next. And wrapping up the back of the book here with Mr. PKI, he says, Closing with a fun one this week, since there is a shortage of competition for AMD chips in the game consoles, should Microsoft switch to Intel-based chips for the Xbox in the future to have a better supply? Um in the future i'm assuming you meaning in the next like whatever console comes next potentially but they're not going i mean we all know they're not going to uh, microsoft has a really good setup with amd they know how the process works they know how to get the backwards compatibility and amd basically falls over and says we'll build whatever you want or need um, not saying that intel wouldn't because microsoft has the dollars to back that up um, but i don't personally think they will switch to intel and i don't know if it would I don't don't know if it's going to help them on the supply side either. Um, That being said, never say never. Microsoft has done some really interesting stuff over the years with virtualization and um, they could definitely make it work. I just don't personally think that it is going uh, to be happening. So guys, that wraps it up for this week. I am just happy... You know, it's Friday at the end of the day. I am I'm happy that it's Friday. And as a reminder, today's podcast was brought to you by Security Unlocked. You can find links in the description below or go, direct, or go directly to the site at securityunlockedpodcast.com. Thanks for hanging out. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.